Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Meet Kevin Show. Today, we are talking to a whole group of people about the SPAC merger between Beachbody, FRX is the SPAC, we got other companies involved. There's so much going on. We've got so many people involved here. It's going to be a blast to ask questions about this. And we got lots of questions about competition between them and Peloton. And I'm so excited to bring on in Kevin Mayer. We've got the co-CEO of Forest Road Acquisitions. We've got... Uh, let's see how i gotta figure out how to add all these folks sorry let me figure this there we go there's the whole team we got ross gerber we've got jeremy and zach in dd all part of the forest road acquisition team ross gerber being an outside investor and i'm so excited to kick this off by asking the first and most important question how are you all gonna take down the great peloton <laughs> Uh, well, who's, 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 yeah, I, I feel like I could be the, I could be the hot button controversial uh, answer uh, contestant on this one. Um, I, I think the big thing that we've said through this process is we don't necessarily need to take down anyone um, as much as I think some of us would love to take down everyone. Uh, I speak for myself on that. I think with the TAM, the, the total addressable market in the health and wellness uh, and fitness space there's an opportunity to be a partner to Peloton. There's an opportunity to be um, a participant in this massive market. And, and I think one of the things that we're most excited about with Beachbody is the content angle to the story. And that's a thing that if, if you've been paying attention to Peloton, something that they've been adamant and, and going out and speaking about is how they can get more onto or into the content side of this market. Uh, and that's something that Beachbody has been doing for over 20 years and is known for their content around it. So uh, I think there's ways to partner and work with them. I don't think this is a let's take them down. Let's let's go after the beast. We're we're excited. We're not going to partner with Peloton. Okay. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's an incredibly kind and, 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 and nice thing to say. But look, Beachbody, it's a three way merger between our SPAC FRX and Beachbody, which has a 22-year history of providing great fitness content uh, to the masses, is for everyone, it's very democratized, and Mixed Fitness, which is the bike, that's the competitor to Peloton. Mixed Fitness is great, you know, Peloton is awesome, a lot of us use Peloton. It is, it's expensive, it's very, very high-end, and it's for very competitive people. Mix is a somewhat less expensive bike, it's just as high quality, I would say. It does have it's a screen that swivels and it comes in, you can... You can, you can access all the content of Beachbody on this one center, if you will, center of, of, of fitness in your home. And it's for, it's for the, it's the Peloton for the 99%. It's for people that want to do maybe a little less intense competition, are more focused on fitness and heart rate type of things, and just getting, getting, getting more fit without the, the pressure of the leaderboard, which I love. I love the leaderboard on Peloton, but, but Mix is, is, is configured a bit differently. So we can coexist. We don't have to smash each other. We don't have to, one doesn't have to win and the other lose. But we're not going to partner with them, Zach. I don't know. What you're <laughs> and and I would say, I mean, we we see the market here. It's not a zero sum game. This is a 1.5 trillion plus TAM that Zach mentioned in the health and wellness space, and it's growing. We see six billion dollars tra transitioning in, by 2027 to about 60 billion dollars in digital fitness subscriptions specifically, which sets up Beachbody really, really well. And what we like in the platform we are you know, forming with this merger is when there are large towns, you'll see a lot of people and competitors racing to capture market share in that town. And the fragmented marketplace actually 
bodes really well for Beachbody as a platform for future M&A, which gets us really excited in the future. So I'd like to, do you mind if I jump in for a second? Because it reminds me of the, of the Tesla argument with EVs where it's like, oh, Tesla has these competitors. And I'm like, not really, because it's really, we're going after gas cars. And so every competitor in a way is your friend. So Peloton's kind of like, like plowed the way in and said, here's a great way for connected fitness. And it opens up a huge market because your real competition is actual gyms. And, and it's, and, and that's really the transition from the, I'm going to go spend 40 minutes driving to the gym and driving home to the gym and changing and all this kind of stuff versus just getting out of bed like I do now and getting on my bike because I just really don't see it. So I look at Peloton in a way as like the Equinox and you guys are kind of like the rest of the market. So in a way, Peloton's market is much smaller than Beachbody's. And I look at you guys as almost like the Netflix of, of fitness. Well, they're sort of like the HBO. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because it is a great analogy. Look, in some ways, if you're the first mover, you you are leading the pack, you're spending the money, you're creating a new marketplace. Look, Peloton did a great job in creating a new marketplace and putting a price umbrella in place for, for competitors to come in at very good price points, great ARPUs, but just lower than Peloton. So it is like Netflix and Disney Plus. And when I launched Disney Plus at Disney, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, that was what we talked about a lot. We talked about the fact that we were, we were part of Netflix. We had our content in Netflix for, for several years. We helped it grow. It was the exact right thing to do because it's expensive and risky and difficult to create a new market like Netflix did. And you don't have to be a first mover to be successful. And Disney Plus is doing great because we have a great brand and a great product. And we're not, Disney, I can tell you, we're not after the trying to beat Netflix. We're really not trying to be bigger than Netflix. We just want to serve our consumers and do so profitably with the growth, with the growth, um, perspective and exactly that's that's the same exact approach we're taking here with mixed fitness as part of Beachbody. let peloton take the take the hill you know make the market create a price umbrella we're, we'll tuck in very nicely underneath them who's bigger in the end who's doesn't matter we just want to serve our consumers we want to have a growing profitable business and that's what we're going to do and i think and, on, and that, on that netflix point when you look at the viewership and and the statistics around the consumption of that content uh, one of the interesting exercises we went through in our diligence and through the pipe process is looking at the expense of creating some of the content on Netflix and the expense of creating some of the content on Beachbody's platform. And then you look at the comparison in viewership and the amount of eyeballs and the amount of time those eyeballs spend consuming that content. And it's a remarkable recreation value. So if there's a program that costs a million or two million to make, and has the same viewership as a $20 million budget uh, on Netflix, that's an incredible recreate on that consumption of time for the consumer. Uh, and your subscription fee is twice as Netflix's. So you've got eyeballs and you get a higher revenue stream at a lower cost per production. But you also have people like watch the same videos over and over again you know, once they're into a fitness routine, see, I'm old enough to remember when Beachbody's launched and, and even Gunty Riker, which was kind of their roots. And, and and I think that's really the challenge of the company is really addressing a younger demographic because because my demographic grew up with Beachbody's and knows it very well. I, I'm, I live in Santa Monica. So, so it's like you have this like way to connect with people. That's why I like Kevin involved with this project because I see it as a media technology company and then a, in fitness. 
And that's where yeah. I think there's so much opportunity in connected fitness, but also connecting users too. And I think that's what Peloton's done well. And I think if you guys continue to merge these companies and connect users and build the communities around your creators, you've got a massive market compared to Peloton. Well, I'm glad you said that because one of the things that we that is really fundamental to Beachbody is this community is the community that they've created. They have these 400,000, more than 400,000 coaches who are really just influencers and they have a social commerce model. They're one of the early movers in social commerce. They take these influencers, you have, you know, you can multiply it 400,000 plus times however, however many followers they have, but at least five, 10, 15 per, per influencer, maybe a thousand in some instances or tens of thousands. And they have this huge audience that they're um, promoting the product to. And it's very authentic. If you know social media, you know it's only, influencers can only be effective in marketing something if it's incredibly authentic and they, and they, and they really experience it and, they, and they're users themselves and they believe in the product. So all of these coaches are success stories. They show, they use the product, they take the, they use the nutrition, they use the workout videos, they've lost 30 pounds, they, they wanna talk about it. And this is, it's an incredibly resonant and, and high feedback loop system that creates this, a, a very compelling way to market the product, keep it uh, keep it relevant, keep it in people's minds and expand the marketing without spending as much money as might otherwise have to spend in paid media. It's very effective. And jump yeah. in a question for for uh, Kevin and then all, all of you here. So uh, you know, I was listening to this, and and I understand uh, Disney uh, came in after Netflix and garnered a lot of market share, but they also had massive IP, right? Mickey Mouse, Mulan. Disney had a lot of IP to go off of. Tesla, uh, in sort of that comparison again, and the other auto manufacturers, they're deemed to be years ahead with their technology, whether it's their engines or their self-driving, uh, and that's led people like Kathy Wood to say, hey, they might be in a winner-take-most scenario. What does Beachbody and FRX have to to excel in both of those spaces? Is there a unique IP? Is there unique technology? Maybe we can touch on that to show how it's different. Yeah, they have 22 years experience in creating incredibly compelling fitness content. It's not easy to do. You can go on YouTube, we're on YouTube, and you can um, you can find hundreds of thousands, probably millions of fitness videos. And there are various qualities. Some are good, some are bad, but you don't know what you're going to get. They don't have a continuous program in place where you can depend on high quality and know that you can do, go from one program that's 30 or 90 days long to another one, to another one that does specific things for you and you connect with your with your, with your your coach in a, in a way that's that's really um, personal. So they have this long history of, of, of creating this content. They're very, very good at it. They have an, a math, they've amassed a very substantial database of what users like and what they don't like. So they have a very scientific way of creating new content. And they have a library of over, over 85, I think 85 different programs of various lengths, but up to 90 days long, like P90X is 90 different 90 different uh, workouts, which is one of the more famous franchises. And they know what they're doing and they're world-class at it. And they're not only world-class at making content that people love and testing it and being sure that it's right on the right on target and segmenting to the, to the right customer base the right way, but they, they also know how to market. They're, they're world-class performance marketers and they have this 400,000 plus coaches that are great, that are influencers, that are, that are their, um, their, their marketers on their behalf. So they have a, a system in place that is very, very difficult to replicate and took 22 years of high quality management to do it. World-class team. Do they have any special technology? Not really. They just know they have, a, they have techniques and proprietary know-how that does take a long time to, uh, to replicate. And I think that's, that's their mode. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say one thing that is truly differentiated is now that they transformed the business into a digital first business over the past five years. They have really unique data on who's watching what, when, 
and that informs their content creation process. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of that feedback loop is super unique that you can't get if you're making free videos on YouTube. And they they have that um, at kind of unprecedented scale for all of their subscribers, which is over 2.6 million digital paid subs, which is the largest in this space. Yeah, and I do want to jump in and say something because there's so many SPACs out there that are garbage. And, you know, anytime anything good happens, there's like the garbage men come and screw it up. This is a SPAC that's profitable. It's a, it's a company that has been around for 20 years. It's not some like private company that some VCs couldn't make successful that they're like dumping on the public. These are the merger of successful businesses together into a public entity with new capital to really go out and take a bigger market share. It's, it's not really about a startup really looking to see if it can work. And so I think what really makes this interesting to me, which we haven't even gotten into, is the supplement the food part of Beachbody's is a very big part of the revenue component. And the margins in these businesses are great, just phenomenally good. And, and so when you look at it from the perspective where a Peloton is a very narrow market, they sell equipment, but then you look at other things like supplements, weights, and all these other things, it, it's an ecosystem that makes it's a platform and much more valuable to me than being a guy who sells bikes for a premium, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. And, and I, think, I think just to that point, like I, I was going to go with the more programmatic approach to mix and beach body, which is there's every one of us at some point in our lives, whether it was a classroom or, or a job or has been told that consistency is important, right? Be consistent. When I, I had a Peloton, uh, I would go on and I would ride for 30 minutes and it was a great sweat and it was a great workout and the music was good and I'm a competitive person and I liked it. These programs are 30 day fixes. 90 day platforms. There's a pre-workout shake that I have. There's a bar that I eat. There's this entire suite of products that are going to help me have a more healthy and fulfilling lifestyle. That right. doesn't exist anywhere else. And there's no opportunity for people in the public markets to buy into platforms like this. So there's a whole host of reasons why we think this SPAC opportunity um, is tremendous. One of them being that we are giving the public markets access to an incredible 20 plus year business that has uh, shown its ability to be profitable and to impact people's lives in a really positive way. The other thing I'd add to that is a great point is this business is a subscription business. 75% right. of the revenues are subscription based, including the majority of the, of the nutritional uh, sales are subscription based. So you have subscriptions in digital content, you have subscriptions in nutrition, you have subscriptions in the mixed fitness, the bike part of it. Once you buy the initial bike, you have an ongoing subscription relationship there. 75% subscriptions. If you look at Peloton, something like 70 or 80% of their annual sales are the one-time sales of the bikes themselves. And the only portion is subscriptions. This is the exact opposite of that. And you know, you can capitalize these subscriptions. A growing subscription business capitalizes much, much better than one-off sales businesses do. And that's what this company is. And it's a multi-platform, multi-solution uh, subscription business. You bring someone in one of the doors, whether through fitness, whether through Beachbody, whether through Mix, the bike, whether through the nutritional products, and you circulate them around all the products that we have, and that creates marketing efficiencies as well. So it's a pretty, pretty cool uh, integrated company. 
I want to touch on that. So uh, obviously there, there's been a little bit of a SPAC attack uh, on markets lately with the SEC and, and beating up on SPACs and potentially uh, potential beatups coming on projections or how warrants are declared and that. Maybe uh, can we touch on that a little bit to the extent that we can, but also and possibly more importantly, how has the year started out relative to projections? Obviously we're reopening. Are people uh, more interested in fitness now because we're reopening and they want to get fit again or are people less? interested uh, in, 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 you know, Beach Bonnie or the mixed bike because gyms are opening again? Or is there a partnership opportunity there? Lots of questions looking for answers. Sure. I, I would, yeah, I would quickly, since I, I think I'm probably in touch with what we can and cannot say. And so I would say, I don't want to explicitly discuss the, you know, the, the progress of the company because we haven't disclosed that yet. But as you see in the market, this is a structural shift in consumer behavior. And Q1 has proven to be really solid in a lot of different studies that people are going to keep at home, you know, fitness as a as a part of their workout routine and their wellness routine. And uh, you know, we we remain extremely confident and bullish on that trend, and really think it's an acceleration of a structural shift that we saw coming. And Beachbody is, you know, at the forefront of that shift. And so I would say on the you know warrant and all that stuff that has recently come uh, to bear and the the SPAC sell off as of late, as it pertains to our deal, we are working towards closing this in Q2 of 2021. So consistent with what we have kind of said to the market from the get go, and um, we're just really excited to ultimately close the transaction and provide the company with this war chest of capital, which is so unique. I mean, we kind of touched on the fringes of it, but the company has been run profitably for 22 years and has never had the opportunity to take this quantum of capital and just put pedal to the metal on marketing spend, drive brand awareness, and ultimately acquire new customers because previously they've been just doing it out of cash flow. And uh, which is great. It's great to run a profitable business. And that's something that we were looking for and enamored by when we when we um, first started going deep with Beachbody. But it's great opportunity. So I think, you know, we're, we're just sticking towards uh, getting the getting the deal closed, getting them the capital and all the trends we're seeing in this space are really optimistic and exciting. And I you would know, just I'm add, a, I'm a, oh, sorry, go for it. Oh. No, I was just to say, I'm, I'm a big gym guy. I've been going to gyms my whole life and I love the gym. And, you know, Gold's Gym in Venice is like, you know, I, I've worked out next to Schwarzenegger, you know, it's like, you, it's a really unique experience and, and a wonderful place to go. But for the most part, you know, I think about going back and the time I'm saving, the, just the energy of being able to get up in the morning and just work out versus by the time my day starts just forget about it i just i can't get a real workout in and 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 the way our lifestyles have changed it, it's it's just great to have it in your house and, and and if i could do this for such a reasonable price you know like fifteen hundred dollars and, and and signing up for classes that are cheaper than most gyms um all of a sudden it's one of those shifts that i don't think goes back yeah. so you know when you think about the offices of the future, they're going to be very different than the offices of the past. We're back in the office at my firm, but it's not going to be the same. And not everybody's coming in every day, nor do we care. And so life has changed. And that's, I think, something 
that's really, really positive for the connected fitness business, whether you're Peloton or whether you're FRX, it doesn't matter because it's just a value proposition of what's the value of my time? What's the, you know, what am I getting for my hour of working out? And most importantly, if you can create a community around that, so I'm still connected to people, which is the main reason I like the gym, you know, it's a winner. I mean, that once again, I don't think the trend changes and we have an obesity problem in our country. We got Warren Buffett pushing Coca-Cola on people saying, I'm 91 years old, drink Coca-Cola, it works. <laughs> and that's just not, you know, it's just not the reality of life. We have a serious health issue in our country. And, and this is the type of product that directly addresses that in a convenient and affordable way. And that's another reason why I like the business from just a health perspective for the future. Yeah, I think we it, it when you look at 2021, um, you know, five, five months through uh, this new calendar year and you look at some of the Q1 reports, people, uh, consumers, Amer Americans generally spend money on things that they're spending time on. Um, and then once they make that investment, they are committed to their capital investment. Uh, and so we've watched people spend time at home and therefore they've invested money in their homes, right? How do we know that? Well, we've seen Q1 from Home Depot and we've seen lumber costs and we've seen Lowe's report and we've seen these trends. And now they've spent that money. They've invested in weights to have at home. They have a new TV that they put up in their garage. They have these different components that we're tracking across this this country and now we've seen that investment be made and generally people are committed to the things that they've spent money on why don't why doesn't everyone just go on youtube and watch a 30 minute health and fitness workout routine because there's no commitment there's no there's no tie to it when i subscribe to beachbody i'm now part of this bigger thing and whether it's my individual leadership coach or it's carl deichler the ceo i'm committed i'm a part of something bigger and generally we have seen that when there is that experience right you go to venice uh gold's gym in venice you're part of this community that's when you start to really see those results and so we're seeing that happen and and it's a very positive thing for for the company and for people that want to wake up in the morning and set, take seven steps and start their workout and I still have my gym membership and I'll probably go back here and there, but it's just like, for me, you know, and also another thing is everybody moved out of the cities into the suburbs, yeah. into houses that they could afford. And now all of a sudden, you know, the gym was the part of the commute kind of thing. It was either on the way there or freeze? on the way home. You're frozen. Um, yeah. Zach, you're done. So, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the gym is a lot of part of the commute for a lot of people. And if you take out the commute, you know, it's like, why do I need to go to the gym when I can just do it in my house? Yeah, and and I would I would just add that you're, you know, Ross, we, we spoke offline and it was great chatting and getting your kind of mindset and you're a gym goer and, and you're a part yeah. of kind of the demo that is a gym goer. Candidly, Beachbody is not even focused on the gym goer demo. They're focused on the 100, you mentioned this, unfortunately, 150 million, 150 million Americans more than that actually, are either overweight or obese. And they're going after that demographic to start them on their fitness journey. And that's what's really great about Beachbody is they kind of lay it out for you. Like, here's what you gotta do to get from A to B versus 
Peloton and not throwing shade at Peloton at all, since it's an, an quite impressive business, but they're probably going after the 60 million or so Americans that are more defined as fitness inclined. And that's actually not, we, we probably, we would stack our kind of the serviceable market as the 150, 150 million Americans that are overweight or obese, plus that 60 plus million that are fitness inclined. And that's why we think being mass market at a $99 price point for something like Beachbody On Demand, BOD, is, is just a great advantage in this space. Yeah, they they sold these programs for $129, sorry, $129 a pop back 10 years ago for P90X, which is a 15, 16 year old product now. You had, you had you got, back then you had VHS and you had DVDs. And if you want to do the next one, the P90X2, you had to spend another $129, et cetera. Now it's $99 for every single library uh, product that they have, which is 85 different programs, which is thousands of hours of high quality fitness programming. And then when there's new drops, there's four big major new drops a year. Not only, not only does that serve to bring in new customers, which it does, and that's marketed that way, but it also serves to, to provide existing customers with another shot of energy to stay subscribers and to, and to continue to put value on the service. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty resonant um, system uh, again. And, um, and, the, and the business model of going to an annual subscription, by the way, I tried to get annual subscriptions at Disney and ESPN Plus as best I could. We did, we had some success with that. When you have annual subscriptions at the $99 price point, that's a great ARPU, and you don't have the monthly churn characteristics. When you're on a treadmill trying to get this churn down every single month, they're good at it, but they have 70% plus um, annual subscriptions, which is also an incredibly um, valuable tool in your arsenal of trying to make, and try, trying to increase retention and reduce churn. Anyway, sorry, Kevin, you were going to say something? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, actually, I was going to specifically ask you about uh, churn, especially since you did spend some time uh, at, at TikTok. Uh, TikTok, I feel like, is almost something that that people can get addicted to. And I'm wondering if, if you can expect <laughs> those sorts of same things. Like, can people actually get addicted to working out at home? Or do they, do they do the exercises, the workouts a bit? And then does it become something where it just becomes like a clothing rack? Uh, and, and then, you know, people leave the subscription going because they're like, one day, one day I'll go back on that bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some breakage model for sure in the, in the subscription businesses, which is a nice thing. And we have a year, so we have a year to recapture them, get them interested again before they before they you know unsubscribe for lack of usage. But look, TikTok proved that there that you can get people you know addicted is maybe not the exact right word, but very highly <laughs> highly immersed in the experience. Um, we all probably spend many way too many hours on TikTok for sure. I, I know that I do. Um, but the other thing about TikTok, now that you bring it up, is again, I, I hearken back to the social commerce play and, and aspect mm -hmm. of Beachbody. It uses that social paradigm in a way that these other, no other fitness company really does of getting followers and influencers together and working out together, holding each other accountable for success, which is what, what, what these coaches do, and providing the support system that's so important. So TikTok- This is one of my favorite parts of the model is the yeah. influencer part of your business model. But how is yeah, that different yeah. from Peloton? Well, I don't think that Peloton relies on the same degree of social. Well, they're they're start yeah. they're starting to now. Peloton's starting to hire like some high end like Olympic athletes you can train, and they they've gone the direction of the super fitness yeah. wealthier fit person. But that's a really small market actually compared to mm -hmm. the overall fitness market. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the old days, you know, we used to look at different gym models in the bricks and mortar side when that was a very fast growing business. And the best ones were the ones that really served the mass or the mass affluent. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of what my firm does too. We serve the mass, mass affluent. We have a high end part of our firm, but you know, when you look at how many people are out there yeah. that have some money to spend that are a little bit overweight that want to work out, but don't want to be working out with, you know, Jesse Owens or whoever, you know, I, I just want to get like, I just want to lose five pounds to be honest. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and I think that's where the influencer models model is so powerful I, I, you know, by getting these individuals, see, I know these people, these fitness people, and they build these really engaged uh, client bases around their routines and their lifestyles, um, their diets, and people want that in that connection to those influencers. And, and fitness is, is, is probably one of the most successful industries in being able to monetize influencers. It's, it, now, Kevin, it's such I know a, you've got a, a, I've got a, I'm going to quickly yeah. just ask one last question for Kevin here, because I know he's got to run. Uh, we're coming up on that 30 minutes uh, for, for Kevin, and then we'll keep discussing. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, before, uh, before you leave, I got to ask you, uh, Peloton and their vertical integration with Precore, is FRX and MYX going to potentially do something like this where they get into strength training, which is somewhat of a direction that Peloton is potentially heading with uh, pre-core, potentially even moving these devices into gyms to create smart gyms? Well, look, we don't have a full roadmap developed for what the future of Beachbody is, but we do have a lot of optionality that we've, that we've now created. If you bring in you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on your balance sheet, not only can you do the enhanced marketing efforts that Jeremy referred to earlier, but you also have firepower to do mergers and acquisitions. Mixed Fitness is a good example of that. They bought a company called Ladder, um, which has fitness uh, nutritional products and fitness videos associated with it. Um, and that's uh, LeBron James's company. Um, so they're, he's a shareholder now. Um, and, um, and so they have a history of judicious M&A. Not, they don't go buying a bunch of companies. They, they, they do it very judiciously, very carefully. But we certainly have a public currency now, which can be used for mergers and acquisition purposes. We have a balance sheet, which is going to be you know, very, very much bolstered and will be continued to, to grow from free cash flow in future years. This, this turns free cash flow positive you know, very quickly. Um, and, and, and I think a, an industry and a segment that they're approaching that has, is very multifaceted. And there are portions of it now, good, big, important portions of it. But there are other uh, aspects to the business, not only domestically, but internationally, too. There's a big international growth um, agenda uh, on the on the horizon here with the with the firepower that we brought in. So look, um, no comment, other nothing planned that I would talk about right now. But certainly, you can see that there's a wide open playing field um, for growth, and M and A is one of the one of the tools that in their in their toolkit. Nice, uh, Kevin. Before you need to leave, uh, anything else that you want to add? Because I know you've got a thirty minute uh, restriction, yeah. and then uh, everybody else will will hang out and keep chatting. Anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I just want to say these are great questions. I appreciate the insights that you both have, um, and it's good to meet you. Hopefully, we can come back on at some point in the future. And take it easy on these guys; they're very fragile. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Nice. Thank you, Kevin. Really nice. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Kevin. <laughs> and Kevin will be joining the board of um, of Beachbody when we close the transaction. And yeah, what, what a what a huge asset! What a huge asset to the company. You know, having somebody with such a strong media background, such a strong history of success building platforms for media. Um, you know, when you think about Forest or, or Beachbodies from a fitness perspective, it's less attractive when you think about it as a media or technology perspective where you can get so much leverage out of your business now by leveraging all this content in ways that were so much harder when you used to have to send like DVDs and all this kind of stuff. 
So now they've entered a new stage by merging, you know, equipment with videos, with, um, with uh, nutritional uh, products. You, you really can synergize all these different highly profitable areas of fitness when really the gym subscription business is not a great business. It's a bricks and mortar model. And, you know, I think the future is going to be real tough for those businesses relative to these kind of businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So a question here, you know, and there was talk about P90X and, and that how how are these older programs, which P90X was obviously incredibly popular, how do those become integrated into like a, a, a bike? Is it just sort of like I'm on the bike now and I'm watching it or, or how do they cater that? Yeah, well, I, I think I think, P, you know, P90X is a great example. It's over a decade old. Um, and when you look at the viewership from 2020, it's remarkable. I mean, 10 year old program that is still very much in the lives of uh, a lot of the, you know, fan base and, and consumer base of Beachbody. Um, what's really interesting about Mix is, as Kevin mentioned, right, you, you, you swivel the screen um, and you're on your mat next to it and you're doing one of those P90, P90X workouts. And so the ability to have that connected fitness component with the workout program um, and being able to do a, a stretch before riding the bike and then do weightlifting and then go back. And, and as far to say as you could be able to be in a position where you can order a shake from the connected fitness component. And so to really trap the consumer or the subscriber into the ecosystem of, of the platform. Yeah, and I would well, add you, this. Just uh, quick, I was sorry. Say, if you can act this with, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I was no, just going to say. say <laughs> you go, no, you go, go ahead, you Jeremy, go. and then we'll go to Ross. Jeremy, go ahead. <laughs> um, sorry about that, Ross. But um, I no, think no, we're we're excited. We're excited to share in the in the near future um, some plan, some more concrete plans around how we envision, you know, the the screen for the mix bike coming to life and how that could be infused with content from both Beachbody On Demand and OpenFit. Um, but I think at a high level, Zach kind of described it well, where if you have this swivel screen and the mix team really views it as a home studio that you have because you have weights along with it. And and Ross, I think yours is on the yours is on the way. So you, you could yeah. you could give a review. Um, but but that's how we envision, you know, being able to integrate the content. Yeah, that's going to be my, my new thing being a fitness influencer. But um, I, uh, I think that I think one of the things that Peloton or one of the things Peloton realized early on is riding a bike isn't enough. So you can ride your bike all day long, but that isn't a full workout. That isn't what really fitness is all about. So the weight component, the yoga component, but most importantly, the diet component. OK, because I can tell you firsthand. You can work out every day of the week, but every year, past 40, your metabolism slows down. And what I can eat today is a lot less calories, you know, <laughs> than I could eat when I was Kevin's age. So it's like the 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 new the nutritional component is literally 75% of the fitness game. Okay. And then the diversification of your workouts between cardiovascular and strength training, um, super important part of any fitness regime. So you have all that. Now, if you get to the point where I can order my smoothie and it comes to me when I'm, you know, my Joe and the juice comes to me at the end of my yeah. workout, you know, or whatever, like game over. 
game over because it's a lifestyle. And, it, and if this is all connected through my app or phone or through all this stuff, we can all now have healthier lifestyles so much easier. And, and that to me is why I'm super attracted to this company because not only do we need it in this country and the demand's huge, but you're bringing it into people's homes and creating a lifestyle around it. And Always Carl, there. Carl, the CEO of Beachbody, his business, um, worth noting, not selling a single share, not taking any chips off the table. I mean, his life commitment is to getting people healthy and, and leading them to a more fulfilling life. And like, that's really what drives at the core of this business. That is what gets Carl out of bed in the morning. And, and he's, he's an electric guy. When we first met Carl, um, we, we were doing as, as we were doing SPAC diligence, um, looking at sort of like the, the CNBC test, right? Like, can this guy go on and tell a story? And, just his the whole thing around his involvement in the business and how incredible his motivations are. Um, it, it's it's remarkable, and and that's what that's what gets this thing going, and that's what's really exciting about this is his desire to have people living a more healthy and fulfilling lifestyle. And he's got a ton of skin in the game. Yeah, gosh, yeah, and, and I think he, he owns like what he owns. I think forty percent of the post spac business. Yes. Exactly. So I, I want to touch on uh, what y'all are seeing in, in the market here, uh, maybe a little bit more broadly, is, uh, you know, the entire SPAC industry is sold off. It doesn't matter what SPAC, it's just the entire SPAC industry. Is this just a um, buy the dip opportunity or uh, or is there something greater going on with, with just SPACs in general? What, what's going on out there? Uh, I'm, I could, you want to go, Zach? I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a quick crack at it. Um, I, I started my career at Deutsche Bank and, and on a trading desk, you are taught and, and you learn that markets are generally very efficient vehicles. They're, they're generally very efficient animals. And so um, when you see inefficiencies in the SPAC market, it really feels like you're missing something. Like what, what am I not getting? This is this great business. Why, are, why is the baby being thrown out with the bathwater? Why is the market not understanding the broader SPAC product how are these how are so many of these SPACs trading below cash and nav and, and the nav of the underlying SPAC so it's really a remarkable time to be um an investor in the SPAC product it's a really great opportunity I, I think I have to say I'm not an investment advisor I, I can't tell anyone what to do or how to act or I can say with my own money and what I think is really interesting is there are a lot of great opportunities in a lot of SPACs. Um, there are a lot of companies that were referenced uh, as, as a type earlier in this segment uh, about you know, the flying scooter company that may earn a dollar of revenue in 75 years from now when <laughs> we all plug our brains in at night to, to download ourselves before we go to sleep. And I'm not suggesting that those aren't trillion dollar opportunities. You're not getting that in FRX and body. Uh, this is a long 20 year plus business that has made money. I think every year, except for one, when they elected to spend money, um, they have a proven method of profitability and they're going to access the public markets in a way that makes this a great private business, an exceptional public company. And there are other businesses like that in SPACs. 
They're just all being treated as one right now. And that's what makes investing really exciting. You find those inefficiencies, you find your edge, and when you can, you have to exploit them, you have to bet um, and take risk, and you look for great risk-adjusted uh, returns and, and a great reward and risk profile. And that's what we mm -hmm. think there is in FRX and, and Beachbody. Nice. You know, I am I am an investment advisor, so in full disclosure, um, we own some some FRX, and we're looking at making a much larger investment, as well as the fact, just to disclose, there's risk with all investments, especially newly public companies, whether it's an IPO or a SPAC. So, you know, those risks vary by company to company. But what's happening in the SPAC market, in some ways, is one of the greatest things I've seen in probably the last decade, where we've literally had no choices of new opportunities and we just own apple and microsoft and these stocks go higher and you know you're sort of like where else can i find growth and many of these companies are still growing even though they're huge but now all of a sudden there's all these companies to analyze and exactly what you're saying is right because so many people just say oh it's a spac sell it or the institutions just sell and they they don't look at okay let's say there's a hundred spacs out there the truth is five are going to be phenomenal or maybe two will be phenomenal and the rest will, will vary and probably half will just completely suck. And so when you get these opportunities like FRX, see, my mom taught me this as an investor at a young age, is you just have to have patience because you might want to buy a stock and it rallies up and you see a SPAC that goes out at 10, the SPAC's for 10, you know, and then you're paying 30 like a SP, like the space SPAC, you know, Virgin Galactic. You pay 30 for a SPAC that's worth 10 and, and they haven't done anything yet, you know? And so when those things go back to 10, that, that's actually okay. That's what it's worth. And so that's why this is such a great opportunity now because you look at a, a long, well-established business like Beachbody's and you're getting in at the SPAC price at $10. You know, that that's probably the thing that makes me happiest right now because I can go out tomorrow and buy your stock and know I'm – paying the same as everybody else, your pipe investors, your institutional investors, and all the incentives for management come in at higher prices. And you've got this great business. And you know, and that's why I'm here today is to learn more and help investors learn more. Um, and you know, and, and the more I study the business, I spent obviously some time studying it this weekend, knowing I was going to be on the show. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is a good business. You know, I like it. It's not a tech business in the sense of like, oh, it's biotech and I'm going to cure cancer and, and it's going to go up 50x. This is a solid business that could grow 20, 30% a year for a long time. And that's, I think, what makes it attractive to me too, because I actually prefer solid businesses that are quantifiable than, you know, sort of like, hopefully this hits and we'll make a ton, you know? Yeah, no, every, it's, 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 a great, it's a great point. And I think um, to touch on kind of the incentives since, I think some people, you know, it, there's a lot of information that's put out there. Some people don't necessarily fully understand the structure of things when some of these deals get um, put out. So 50% of our promote is vested and, and strikes fully at $16 a share. So obviously we're aligned in, in growing this, but more importantly, over the long term is kind of how we see things um, and, and are partnered with the company to make sure obviously we said kevin's joining the board so we're we're in this um to make this a really great success and it is tough to see we have a bunch of we're trying to be super transparent and communicative with all of our investors and we see things on twitter of people that bought it 
1820 um, back in February when you know the really things really took off and and again not to give advice on stock price necessarily but it, it is just a patient game of knowing that in the broader market there are a ton of deals getting done and not to Set, throw shade at any of those other deals. But this is one where there's a lot of downside protection. It's a solid proven business. It's been profitable, you know, it actually, to correct exactly, except for two years and in the 22 year history of when they kind of first got going in another year in 2005. And uh, otherwise the business is really solid. So uh, I think all your points are really great points for us. So I, I want to. I mean, this has been so insightful on on sort of all your thoughts on on the SPAC opportunity here, the, the great SPAC opportunity. I want to know uh, a lot of hedge funds and institutions right now, though, are uh, shorting and really hedging against uh, high expectations in Q1 potential misses. We've seen Amazon, Apple crush it, yet their stocks decline after crushing it, uh, and uh, it seems like there's also this undercurrent of ah. The Fed's going to lose control, that inflation is coming, and it's just going to continue to weigh down on the stock market. But maybe speak broadly on, on your expectations for both the, you know, when, when is the, the short attack going to end and uh, on, on just the broader market, uh, but also uh, your thoughts on inflation. Yeah, I think I, I'll take, there's three different questions in that. So the first yeah. one is, is, um, is hedge fund shorting? our stock. I mean, it, it's public, right? We we see what's out in the market. And I think this is our approach to it. We're going to, we need to execute. And when we execute, they will have to buy it back. Um, we view that as a positive. Uh, right now, with the short interest that we do have, we need to do our jobs. The company needs to continue to be the great company it's been for 20 plus years. And when that happens, they'll need to buy the stock back. It's as simple as that. Um, I don't, I have a lot of views as to why you would short something at the NAV price, but uh, when, when there's cash and trust to defend that price, but I, I don't think I'll go there. It, as it relates to the broader SPAC market and what drives- I'll, I'll say it, it's, it's stupid as hell. It's stupid as hell <laughs> to short a SPAC at, at $10 when it goes out at $10. Only a stupid idiot would do that. Like you're asking to get wiped out. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> but but yeah, when we when we um, when we execute and when we do our jobs, uh, they will be inherently having to cover that short. So it'll be a good yeah, thing. For like you want to short, you want to short like Virgin Galactic at you know two x times its spac price. When something's trading at a spac price, that's like the cash value of the company. So it's like. You know, and you're you're talking about two x revenue multiple too, so you know yeah. that's just stupid. You know, there's no other like <laughs> term for that. Yeah, yeah, and and so what's what's also interesting about just to 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 hit on the short part, like what makes shorts work? Generally, companies where a short works, where a short trade works, they have a lot of debt. This company, no debt. Um, you have a lot of different components here that really don't make sense from a valuation perspective, from a free cash flow perspective. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to short something at its cash price. It also doesn't make a lot of like without a catalyst, it's a tough short. Um, let's let's move past the short thing before we get worked up. Um, <laughs> um, as, as it relates to the broader SPAC market, 
um, yield and inflation concerns. Look, we, we just came out of a pandemic. Um, without question, this is a business that benefited from those accelerations and trends. The pandemic kept people safely in their homes. They worked out in their homes. That helped Beachbody. No one is disputing that. Whether or not gyms open back up and people go, all these different components. The reality of the macro as it pertains to the pandemic is this country just printed over 30% of its GDP. They plugged in a machine and they printed 30% of the gross GDP of this country. How we adapt and how we maneuver rates and how we address inflation, I don't have a crystal ball. What I would say is those trends as well, the acceleration in consumer spending and the ancillary capital in everyone's wallet right now, that's also a further trend to wanting to live a healthier lifestyle. That's an opportunity that now can present itself via stimulus and via the amount of money that people have been receiving from the government. So I think that's a that's a positive as well. I think the last part of your question as it pertains to the 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 vehicle SPAC, the, the broader SPAC market. Sure. Um, I think there is this component where there's not a lot of opportunities for retail and for institutions to invest in public companies like Beachbody. You look at things like Google and Facebook and Amazon that just reported earnings that are growing at a startup pace year over year, quarter over quarter. The numbers are astronomical. That's because of the traditional IPO process not working. There needs to be more competition in the public markets. There needs to be more public companies. 20 years ago, there were over 8,000 public companies. Today, there are 4,000. That is crazy when you think about that. So the SPAC product is helping retail get access to tremendous investments that would not be present without the SPAC product. The traditional IPO has not helped retail. It has only hurt. People do not need Goldman Sachs to validate their company and it going public. Tom Staggs and Kevin Mayer, people that have ran some of the most successful media businesses and other forms of industry as well, it's not just for media, they can validate a process. It can go through a pipe process where some of the most sophisticated institutional investors in the world, on this planet, to validate that investment. And then that company can go public in a much quicker time period for retail to buy into that story and get access to that company. That's what's really cool about this back product. It's new. When you look at the numbers and you look at 2021 Q1 over 2020 Q1 over 2019, it's a new product. It's going to have its air pockets, but it doesn't take away from the merits of the underlying model and for why it will be here to stay. It, 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 it isn't going away. Will it change and fluctuate? Of course. I, I would just I say I think I think it's a, I think it's better than IPOs. Yeah, I think it's better for for clients. I, I serve thousands of clients. Um, I think everything you said is completely accurate. I think most IPOs are are kind of a scam, and so like this is actually allows people to get in on the ground floor with institutional investors, knowing what NAV is, working with people who are well respected business people instead of a bunch of IB guys who can't wait to take your money. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just I, like, I, yeah, just, just the, the quick thing on that, like, do you know how many companies, Kevin, 
lost money because of a tweet Donald Trump tweeted in 2016 to 18. You know how many companies were set to price on a morning, on a random Wednesday morning where Trump tweeted something and their inherent IPO price was taken down 10, 15, 20% because of nothing, because of a tweet. Wow. Um, yeah. And so when you look at the inefficiencies in the traditional IPO market, it, it's changing, it, it's different and, and it needs to adapt to that. And so the way in which companies have gone public over the last 30, 40, 50 years, that's changing too. And, and the pendulum is gonna swing on both sides. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, I mean, this is really great insight there on the SPAC market. Uh, broadly, though, we do have this inflation crisis or potential inflation crisis. Is it? Is this something where does it make sense to just sit on the sidelines and wait to see no. what happens with inflation? No, no, no. Okay. Stop this, Kevin. Stop this. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's no fucking inflation. Okay. There's no inflation. That is a myth. Okay. If you want your cost of living to go down, buy an electric vehicle. Okay, your cost of transportation will drop 70% right there. Okay, if you want to increase the efficiency of your business, start a YouTube page, right, Kevin? Okay, you'll serve way more customers and cut your cost of advertising by a ton. If you want to find food cheaper, you want to find a restaurant cheaper, you get on an app. You want to find a cheaper flight, you get on an app. It's the most efficient technological. Technology has been pushing inflation down for so long. We've been fighting deflation for 20 years. And now, now finally, the government has to print so much money that if you want to go to Hawaii, it costs you $900 to rent a car. Okay, that's not inflation. Okay, the inflation is in assets. The inflation is in real estate, which I'm sure you're really happy about, Kevin. Um, <laughs> the, the inflation is in stock prices where we have a 21 PE on the S&P and we have, you know, you know, you're worried about this or that. The market's up 10% this year. It's it's May 1st. If I sell right now, it's a great year. I'm done. I'm done. It was a great year. I had a huge year last year. I had a huge year the year before. What the hell? This is this is ideal time for investors right now. You got no other choice but to invest your money. The Fed isn't going to do anything this year. Okay. You got higher taxes like you've never seen coming, Kevin. So let me tell you, buddy, you know, welcome to the high tax world you're going to see next year. And what do you think that's going to do to growth and inflation? So we're going to see this little spike in inflation and it's going to go right back down because this this money is a one-time deal and the wait, money's wait, spent. You think taxes are going to push inflation down? Oh, it, it always does. It pushes the economy down uh. for sure. So if I raise taxes on the rich, I mean, these are substantial tax increases. If you make over a million dollars a year, and, and, and granted, we're very fortunate people. Okay, so I have no problem paying more taxes. I want I want that to be clear, but it is a substantial increase in taxes for me. Um, I'm fine with it. I, I've benefited greatly over the last 10 years or whatever, but that's less money that I'll spend. And I spend a lot of money. Rich people spend a lot of money. Okay, so that will put a, a bit, it, you know, it's Econ 101. You raise taxes, you get a slower economy. So this is a one-time 2021 deal where we see all this inflation, everybody going to Hawaii and everybody wanting to rent a rental house and everybody wanting to do the same thing because they've been locked up all, all year. But the, but the reality is once we get to 2022 and 23 again, we're in the same battle we've been fighting for growth 
for 20 years and, and, and maybe some inflation. The one risk we have and the, and the only thing you need to worry about is the Federal Reserve raising interest rates because our entire system revolves around extremely low interest rates. And if the Fed gets into action and they move rates up to more than 1%, I'm out because that's it's all over. Okay. Wait, wait, and wait, so wait. that's, but that could happen. I mean, more than 1%. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for a long time. Like because the minute years? they even talk, oh, I mean, if he says, if Powell says, I'm going to taper purchases from 80 billion a month to 70 billion a month, we get a 10% correction. Done. Done. So, you know, expect a lot of volatility over the next couple of years, but the markets are going higher. Mm -hmm. Even when the Fed starts, the market will still go in higher. They used to say when I was starting the business, it was like the third rate hike, you're out. You know, third rate hike, get out. And and that's what you're going to want to do. And that's all I'm looking for is if Powell goes on like this week and he says nothing, you know, markets go higher and you got to make your money right now. This is a great time to be an investor. I, I, I second that. I, I think that the biggest risk uh, people in this country have is by not owning assets that will appreciate like this is this isn't an inflation thing this isn't a go to the supermarket and, and see cpi and the gallon of milk up 45 this is not the right thing to be focused on people can't afford not to own stocks because if you don't have that purchasing power with asset appreciation you're going to be left behind so this is this is a yield question this is a i agree rates are here and if you don't own the right assets or the right vehicles and you're not participating in that appreciation, your cash purchasing power is not there to support it. And that's a real risk for people participating in all markets. Hmm. That's correct. Wow. Wow. So now's the time to invest. Are you suggesting then uh, once that taper comes, do you sell or you just ride and stick with it? No, no. When the taper tantrum comes, I'm a buyer. I'm a buyer on every dip. I will buy aggressively any, I want a 10%, I want a 20% correction. And I will buy the heck out of the market because until the Fed makes a commitment to reigning in this cash, there is so much money out there I have never seen in my career. Secondly, I have never seen the economy this good since the 90s. And wow. like, we're just getting going. I mean, and it's and it's all economic groups. It's not just the wealthy here, you know. It, it, so we're seeing levels of spending, consumer confidence. You've got euphoria. I mean, like a lot of people I know are going out and like I'm tipping big, you know, like I'm tipping the waiters big. I'm spent. I'm buying an extra dessert, you know. That's I got to go ride my bike, you know. It, it's we're in a, a, a beginning of a boom time in this country. It's like it's almost been like illegal that it's too good in America. Like it, it was almost like we can't have America do that well. And all of a sudden, with Biden as president, I have confidence in our future. And that's huge for the long term of the stock market. Wow. Wow. So uh, now when you say it's like the 90s, is it like 99 or 94? No, <laughs> no, no. I, I did the 90s. So this is like 90. Well, this is like 93. So 93, okay. we got that first burst of the market. I had a great year in 93. I was real happy. Uh, and then 94 came around. I thought I was going to retire. I was like, Kevin, I was 24 and I was making money in the stock market. I was like, if this keeps going, I'm not working. I'll just be a yeah. stock trader. 
and uh, and 94 came and they raised interest rates and they did, you know, it was when Greenspan was at his height and he just raised it just enough to slow down the economy without hitting a recession. And then 96, 97 and boom, we took off. And that was all driven by technology and innovation of the internet and the PC. And so when you look at the technology and innovation we have today, which is just tremendous, you know, we'll get these corrections when they try to make these adjustments. But if Powell is smart, he just does a little bit of adjustment. He doesn't go over 1% on the, on the short term. This thing could go for another three, four, five years or longer because they've basically made bear markets illegal. So if the Fed will buy any asset to protect against defaults and recession, then maybe like none of the old rules matter anymore. Because the Fed never used to do that. Never. The Fed actually hurt the market more often than not because they cared more about price stability or whatever. I think it would be the biggest mistake ever not to see the writing on the wall with what's happening with Bitcoin. Um, the fact we have over 20 PE on the on the market, but earnings going up 30 and 40 percent. You know, it, it, it's just such a unique time for this country and the potential is limitless if it's managed correctly and we have the right people to manage it correctly now yeah. and that's why i'm so bullish if it was different people i'd say they'd fuck it up for sure for sure <laughs> but we have really smart people coming back into office now and they know what they're doing and it makes a huge difference we've been run by total idiots for four years and this is a huge bullish thing for our country and the brand of america and I would just add, I think one on to tie inflation to SPACs a little bit. Um, I do think to Ross's point, a lot of the inflation we're seeing is is asset inflation. And the recent the recent sell-off in SPACs and volatility around SPACs and a little bit of uncertainty around SPACs, I think makes it a really interesting opportunity for investors in SPACs because I think you're you're probably going to see the most reasonable prices in SPAC transactions going forward because of that sell-off and that volatility, which makes us, you know, we're on, we're in the market with our second SPAC as well. And we're seeing, and, and we have this also with Beachbody, you know, we, we always were pretty transparent that we want to be constructive around valuation. No one's trying to top tick valuation so that, you know, you're kind of left holding the bag at $10. You want there to be room to run and the volatility now in the market for SPACs in specific, because there's been a disproportionate, you know, amount of sell-off in SPACs relative to the rest of the market, I think sets up a lot of quality sponsors to find great deals at great terms at really reasonable entry point valuations. And the market's been efficient too. And so that's what you really have to worry about with the speculation when the market isn't efficient and you just have everything just constantly going up. So what we saw with the SPAC market was really how efficient the market still is because you raised all that money in a few months and now it's like, boom. And, and it's like valuations are trying to find what, what's right. And it's not so easy all of a sudden. And that's actually a really positive sign. I think the, the last part on that is just the state of the American economy, the consumer, it is, I, I think, very bullish. I, I couldn't agree more with everything that was said on this. Um, the, the cheesy, the cheesy uh, one line, you know, health is wealth. And there's a real, pro there is one real problem in this country. Um, and we need to get Americans healthy. Uh, we need to preach the 
you know, healthy lifestyle. And I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's funny you brought up the Warren Buffett, Munger, you know, the, the Berkshire Hathaway meeting. And, and you see that stuff. And, you know, the, again, I don't want to go on the record like knocking McDonald's. Uh, but if you eat McDonald's every day, you're, it, it's not going to end well. Um, you drink soda every day, it's not going to end well. So, so it's just, I, I do believe that, you know, greatest country in, in, in the world, there's a lot of things that we could get better at. Um, one of those things is we need to have Americans living a healthy and more fulfilling lifestyle. Um, the impacts of working out regularly, mm -hmm. eating healthy, uh, will solve a lot of problems in this country. Uh, a lot. And costs and healthcare costs. You know, this is what's going to bankrupt this country in 20 years. It's healthcare costs. So yeah, yep. when you look at a healthcare system that's just bloated, like we've never seen and really almost incapable of serving the needs of the people and yeah. the amount of investment we need to make just in that. And then you look at the boomers really at, they're old now. And, and really my mom's in a doctor's office or a hospital every day. So, you know, and her whole lifetime of not working out is starting to really cost her. Well, yeah. my father worked out. I remember we had a home gym before anybody, actually, which is kind of funny. And <laughs> my dad is in phenomenal shape. He's 83 years old. And I'm literally arguing with him because I'm trying to get him to retire. And he just won't. And I'm like, Dad, what, when is going to be the fun time in your life? You know, like. Like, please, you know, yeah. it's, he feels great and he's 83 cause he's done this since he was a teenager, you know, and, and, and my, my mom's 10 years younger and every day is another issue. And, mm. and this is going to be a huge burden on our society longer term. So yeah, health is wealth, but it's also happiness. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and I think the call to action on this, since I know Kevin has an incredible following. So if, if anyone's listening in the health ecosystem with Beachbody, what we're really trying to achieve is it's mass market products for everyone and making it really accessible. So anyone at, you know, Aetna, Humana, CVS, Walgreens, anyone who's playing this space who has scale and authority, give give us a shout, tweet at us email us. We'd love to partner with you and figure out ways to get, you know, easier, you know, easier access to workouts such as Beachbody um, and just get this more to the masses. That's kind of the game plan. This next leg and next chapter of growth is just getting more customers and getting more people healthy. And that's, wow. yeah, that's just the same. We're going to help you invest your money because we serve, you know, the mass and the mass affluent as well at my firm. And, you know, saving and investing is very much like fitness. That's kind of why, you know, I, I uh -huh, laugh yeah. at the industries because, because in a way we are like fitness coaches and we at my firm very much are motivators and we're, we're that accountability to your savings plan and your kids' education plan. And, and it's very similar things. So, so I look at health and wealth is really the key, you know, sort of functions that make you happy and give you that solid base to enjoy your life. Because you could be, I have clients that have a ton of money and they're not healthy. It's worthless to them. And you see all these healthy people with no money and they can't do anything. That's no fun either. Right. And so like the, the goal in life is to build a balance between your health and your wealth. And, and that's one of the things we do at my firm very much. And I, I mean, I guess if you come to us and then we invest in fitness, you know, in the future, then you get the best of both worlds. But uh, this is the secret to happiness and the secret to success. It's, it's not really about working all day and eating McDonald's and sitting at Coca-Cola and being a billionaire. 
97 years old and you're so big you can't even get through the door you know like the whole purpose of life is to you know enjoy it and be able to do things and be healthy and, and i think uh relying on your genetics only to hopefully win the lottery and make it to 97 is is kind of a bad plan um and wow. just the same saving and investing is an important thing as well that's a really, really great insight there. So uh, we, uh, I, I want to ask uh, final thoughts from all of you and, and, and how to get in touch with you. I know I think all of y'all are on Twitter or, or even Clubhouse. Maybe shout out how folks can get in touch with you if, you have, uh, if they have more questions or about your firm, Ross. Uh, let's, uh, let's go and start with uh, Jeremy and, and, and Zach here. Yeah, uh, so Zach and I both are becoming more active on Twitter, uh, at, at Jeremy Tarika, at, at Zachary Tarika. We do, Kevin and Ross, we'd love to have you on our clubhouse. We've been having weekly Wednesday clubhouses uh, called What the SPAC, where we just chat about the SPAC market and other trends more broadly. But we are going to take that to Twitter spaces in the near future as we've kind of been testing out the product there, because I do think clubhouse... Uh, Without having Android on Clubhouse yet, it makes uh, it kind of limits that. But we have a website as well, the Forest Road Company. You could Google us and understand kind of the specialty finance plat platform that that we've uh, built. We've got you know LinkedIn, all that good stuff, and SPACroad.com is where you could find the information for our two SPACs that we have right now. Nice, Ross. Uh I'm uh, Ross Gerber. We're Gerber Kawasaki. You can follow me at Gerber Kawasaki on Twitter. Um, you can reach out to us uh, through our website, GerberKawasaki.com. We do financial planning. We do taxes. We do crypto now through Gemini. So we're the only RIA that you can buy Bitcoin and Ethereum, own it yourself. Um, we manage the accounts through Gemini. So, you know, that's an exciting thing that we've been working on. We also do life insurance and, and some uh, and, uh, overall financial planning. Uh, if you want to reach out also, info at Gerber Kawasaki if you want to send us an email. Uh, but most importantly, uh, whether you use us or somebody else, save and invest for the future because this is uh, once in a kind of generation time. I've waited, you know, 28 years till this happened again. So it could be a long time till we see a boom like we have today. So invest, save your money. Um, we're happy to help you do that. Wow, that's amazing, folks. And then, and just for the spelling purposes, uh, I wanted to copy and paste it. Darn it! I thought I had to copy and paste that email. Uh, so info at Gerber Kawasaki. dot com. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm just. Gonna, and, I and thank you. And thanks, Kevin, for having us on again. Yeah, well, thank you so much uh, for being here. There we go. I got it. All right. Thank you so awesome. much for being here. Uh, for everybody watching, consider uh, liking, sharing the video if you found it helpful. Uh, everybody in the call, stand by for a sec. I'm going to end the broadcast. Thank you, everyone, for being here, and we will see you all in the next one. Thanks.